reading is taken from Romans 8, verses 18 to 28, and it's taken from the message. That's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within We're also feeling the birth pangs. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. But the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting... God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Kirsty. So you may have noticed through the service, there is a chair sitting here, which is a bit random. We don't usually have a chair in the middle of our platform bit at the front of church. Um, But as you can see, this chair is a little bit broken and it is in need of restoration. And earlier, as Ben did our confession time, we thought about how there are some things we want to say sorry for, a bit like this chair. We are all a little bit broken and in need of restoration. And I wonder if any of you can remember what the word restoration means. Of course, Cara can remember, can't you? It is bringing something back to its original glory. And today, we're thinking about the restoration of our relationships between three things which Clara showed us the actions for earlier. So, this is a bit of a test to see if you can remember what they mean. So, who knows what this one meant, the hand on the heart one. What relationship were we thinking about restoring with that one? Anyone remember? It was, yeah, Karen? God. So the first one was thinking about restoring our relationship with God. We are on a journey of being brought back to our original glory. It is a process of God using our stories to help us grow closer to him again. And so in our Bible passage today, it says, that's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The creative world can hardly wait for what's coming next. 
Now, this chair probably has a story of hard times, I should imagine. It probably started nice and new, and then it was used by people, a mixture of being loved for family meals to be sat on, and also being used, or also just being useless as an object. It's probably experienced a combination of all of those things, serving a purpose, and also just being passive, a bit like we can be. Sometimes we feel like we're serving a purpose, and sometimes we're just there. But I would love to, just as we are in a process of being restored to God and uh, wanting to see ourselves come back to that original design which we were supposed to be, I thought perhaps some people might like to help restore this chair to bring it back to a place where it is better than normal. And so this is quite messy because we have some paint and I'd like you to paint the chair anew. So I wonder if anyone here, I'm going to put out some ages and then if you're of that age, you can come forward and help paint the chair perhaps. You will be on the camera, so just check with your parents you're okay with that as well. So is anyone age 11 here? Anyone age 10? Anyone age 9? Anyone age 8? Okay, right, great. So you can come forward. Loads of eight-year-olds here today. So do you want to come forward? And we have some paint here. That's it. Jacob's going to help out with doing that. And as I talk, oh, we've got a few more as well. We've got lots of people. Fabulous. And as I talk, we're going to watch this chair gradually become restored to something amazing. We should be excited about that relationship between us and God being gradually restored, just as this chair is going to be gradually restored. Now, earlier this week, I had the joy of going to two different assemblies in schools nearby, and they were their harvest assemblies, which is what we're celebrating today. And the message that they were giving the children in those assemblies was really simple. It was about being grateful for what we have, being grateful to the farmers and being grateful to God for providing all of this stuff for us. And all of the people in the three schools, Prior Heath and Crawley Ridge nearby, they're collecting stuff for Beeson just as we are here today. And I think what is amazing about that is just in really simple form, it shows us this message that when we're grateful for something, we should respond to that and share with the other people around us. So gratitude isn't something, we don't just say, thank you, I'm really pleased I've got these things at harvest. We also go, what are we going to do with that stuff? How are we going to give back and share with those in need? So I love that. I think harvest is about thinking about those around us in need. It's about gratitude, but also restoring people's hope in a future kingdom where perhaps there won't be such injustice between the provisions that are there for all of us. So the second theme that you might remember earlier from our actions was thinking about, well, I'm going to see if you remember, it was a high five. Do any of you remember whilst you paint? Do any of you remember what the high five meant? Who was that restoring our relationship with? each other. So we think about restoring our relationship with other people. Uh, The passage shows that we can be caring for those we need in, it could be in a physical sense, and that's quite easy to do. Sometimes we bring a gift this morning and then that's done. But also it could be in more than that. So it could be we're trying to fulfill the need of people in an emotional sense or a spiritual sense. They might have a longing in them and a need which you want to fulfill. And Paul shows us in this passage that we are all yearning for something. 
We have birth pangs, which is how it describes it, or inward groans. So it could be a physical need for something, such as for food, um, but it could be other things as well. So it says, all around us we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs, but it is not only around us, it is within us. We are also feeling the birth pangs. We are yearning for full deliverance. We are yearning inwardly in this time on earth of waiting for things to go back to their original created glory. And as I thought about this verse, I also thought about the fact that actually all of us have, I think, uh, this yearning inside and we're seeking intimacy. God created us not only to restore that relationship with him, but also with the other people around us. But the problem is, relationships on earth can be so fulfilling, but... At the same time, they can also be some of the painful things, most painful things, I think, that we have to deal with. I'm sure all of you know that person who not only makes you groan a bit inwardly, but outwardly as well. We can end up moaning about them. Relationships are tricky. How is this chair doing? Is it nearly done? Fabulous. Once you've done this bit at the top, we can gradually go back to our seats. Super. That'd be good. That's okay. Don't worry. We are looking for restoration of these relationships because how they are now, even people in our families who we get on well with, but people um, who we don't get on well with, they're broken forms of the relationships that we're looking to have in eternity. Thank you, everyone. This looks fantastic. How wonderful does the chair look? I think it looks better than it did before. They're going to need to wash their hands. If you need to wash your hands, follow Sophie and Jacob. That would be super. And not only have we just had a pandemic with an illness, with coronavirus, I also think there has been another pandemic going on, which is a pandemic of loneliness, where we're all really wanting that connection with other people. And actually, real friendship, true investment in someone else, uh, true closeness and friendship, I think takes a lot of commitment. It is a real investment of time. Uh, It's being able to think about the other person. And it's a test of if we're able to love people unconditionally through good things and bad things. And actually, this is a way we can grow to be more Christ-like, I think. We're called to love each other and be more Christ-like in that way. And the church is a perfect system which God designed and chose to use for us to do this well in. So in verse 26, it says, Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside us, helping us along. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs and our aching groans. We're weak. We might moan. We can't have full, good relationships. Yet we get tired, but God does not. And so this passage is a real call for us to pray for each other, to groan and ache for each other, and to be there for each other so we can start that process of restoration today. Um, most weeks, I think we think about restoration of both those things. We think about restoring a relationship with God, restoring a relationship with other people, but we miss one. And we, uh, it's really good that we can think about it this Sunday. I think we should think about it more. Um, but it's that third action, which was the world. And so we're thinking about how we can restore our relationship with our world as well. I think Climate Sunday, which is today, which is now what I'm going to focus on, uh, should be a catalyst for the rest of the year. Um, and something that should be something which is really important to us as Christians. Now, I wonder if you ever do something, and then afterwards you feel really bad about it. 
because uh, that happened to me earlier in the week. And it wasn't just feeling rubbish inside, it was to do with rubbish on the outside. On Wednesday, I decided between meetings it would be a really good idea to empty one of the shelves in the resource cupboard upstairs to start sorting through all of the stuff there. And I just took out a couple of boxes to get started. And as I took things out of the boxes, it was like it was kind of like in the parables, feeding of 5,000, multiplying stuff. I just seemed never-ending what came out. And I made this amazing mess in the upstairs room. And anyone I know, Ben walked past looking with pity on me. It really did look quite a sorry sight, all this stuff out. Now, that all started well, and it was useful. The problem was the next day there was a group which needed to use the room, and I had to get this mess back out the way in the cupboard. So I kept going and sorting it out, and I worked out what we wanted to keep and what we didn't want to keep from the shelf. And it was getting later and later, and I was thinking, I'm really hungry. I want to go home. I want to have dinner. Um, Joe helped to try and speed it up. But eventually, I had these black bin bags, and I had a recycling box, and I was chucking things in both for the things we weren't keeping. Now, things which were very obviously recyclable, I was like, yep, recycle that. Things which I was like, not really sure, just generally in that part of stuff, I was pinning in the bin bags. So I wasn't being very careful, basically, about thinking about what I was doing with the waste because I was in a hurry. And it would have taken me, I reckon, a good hour more to be ripping things apart and sorting it into different ones. Uh, And then I came to prepare a talk for this Sunday on the environment and helping our world and felt very, very bad about what I'd done earlier in the week, not taking that extra bit of time to care and think about the impact of my actions so that I could be speedy to get home. And in the moment, earlier in the week, I chose to not think about the impact of chucking those things away. I chose speed um, because that's the easiest way. And something that I have then been reflecting on is actually the fact that it's easier not to think sometimes. It's easier not to think about restoration and how much we should be caring for the world as Christians and carrying on with what we're doing. But as I focused on this passage and thought about this talk, I realized that my guilt for what I had done was actually a good thing. <gasps> Hello, everyone. It says in the passage, the Spirit knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. So that guilt that I felt for not being careful about um, you know, getting rid of waste effectively was, I think, perhaps the Holy Spirit stirring inside of me, keeping me present before God and showing me how to change and focus on restoring my relationship with God's creation. It's a bit like when we did that confession time earlier. Actually, feeling guilty about something sometimes can be good, I think, if it means that we go on and do something about it. So feeling bad about how we've slipped at the moment, how we're not caring for our climate, for our planet, for our environment, that guilt is the thing which then prompts the spirit to show us in our hearts what we need to care more about. And I actually think apathy, the opposite, not really feeling anything about stuff, is perhaps the more scary thing, is something I quite like to do because it makes me not feel bad. But actually, if we're just detached ourselves from it, we're less likely to recognize brokenness and to seek forgiveness and to see where we can make change. And so that's why it says uh, in the passage, thinking about relationships with others being more time-consuming, taking care of our worlds more time-consuming, Paul says, uh, that's why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what's enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. 
Because we're designed to care for others and to care for our world. It is the perfect design. And so when we do find time to do it carefully, there is joy in that anticipation of what's to come, that future perfect kingdom. And so it says in the passage that creation is being held back from what it will be in the future. God reigns in until both creation and the creatures are ready, until we've undergone that journey and process of restoration, just like this chair that the kid's done, um, so that we can appreciate the glorious times ahead. Now, right at the start, you might have remembered, we mentioned a film. What was the film which we mentioned? Anyone remember? It was The Lorax. Have anyone watched The Lorax here? I rewatched it last night just to make sure it's super fresh in my memory. A couple of people. The Lorax is a story by Dr. Zeus. It's also a film about this orange little creature. And basically what happens is there's a guy called the Wantsler, and he decides that he wants to make this need-making factory, which are these, like, scarf, hat, like, you can use these objects for basically anything. And the only way to make them is by uh, taking stuff off of the trees. And the speediest way for them to make them is to chop the trees down. And so he goes about chopping down the trees. And the Lorax, he's, he's someone who, um, it says he speaks for the trees. So he's like this funny other being. And he says, I speak for the trees. We've got to save the trees. But the Wantsler ignores him because he is looking to grow his big factory. The problem is eventually there are no trees left and all the creatures who lived in this beautiful place have no home anymore and it's very sad. So things are not good and actually things are not good with the state of the world right now in many ways. A prayer that I often uh, choose to ask is to ask God to give me more holy dissatisfaction for the way that things are and for God to make me not satisfied with uh, the efforts that I and others are making and to give me more of a heart for justice. Because it's easy to give up trying. But looking at this passage and having harvest to think about, uh, thinking and reflecting on the beautiful worlds, we see these lovely uh, displays around the church as well with the flowers. I find that deep guilt and call to action growing stronger in me. Because God doesn't ignore certain bits of our lives. He is in all of it. It says in the passage, that's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. And so in the story of the Lorax that we heard today, uh, well, I talked about just earlier, there is one remaining seed. And the Lorax gives it to a little boy called Ted with the word, unless. And Ted goes away and he reflects upon the word, unless. Unless what? He's been given a choice. Things are bad, unless. He chooses to do something. And so Ted takes that seed and he plants it. The forest isn't back yet. It's still an ugly factory, but he's planted the seed. He's taken a step towards restoring, uh, towards restoration, towards bringing the place he's living in back to something better. And so my question for us today is, are we willing to take that step towards restoration, even if it's small and we can't achieve that future glory yet? Are we willing to take that step? I love a quote from the end of the Lorax. I'm going to leave it with you before we do our next thing. Um, But it says, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. Do we care enough about restoring our relationship with God, about restoring our relationship with other people, and restoring our relationship with the world? What is our unless today? What could we do to make a step towards restoring our relationship in any of these three areas? So that's my response, and we're going to explore that a little bit as we do the prayer stations. But first, I do just have back here a little globe, which is our world. And I wonder if I could have a child who wants to come up and give the world a hug.
as we say a prayer now. Does someone want to do that? Anyone want to come and give, come forward? No one wants to. Am I going to have to hug it myself? You want to come forward? Oh, no, here we go. Harry's going to come. Harry's going to come. And I thought perhaps you could give this world a nice hug. Do you want to turn around face the front? That's it. As we say a prayer now, asking God just for a bit more holy dissatisfaction with the way things are and think about what change we could make. So let's pray now. God, um, we pray for our beautiful world. And we pray that you give us hearts to care more for how we treat it. And God, I pray that we all can say unless today and think about one small step we can take uh, towards helping restore that relationship with the beautiful creation you have given us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Harry. Fabulous. So I think Ben's going to come out now and chat about how we're going to do our...